this Shades and Layers bonus episode. I'm Kutlanus Kusana Richie, your host. I am super excited today to present to you my guest, who is the founder and president of Ansan Cosmetics. Her name is Katonia Broom. Ansan Cosmetics is an LA-based company which makes beauty and skin protection products for all skin tones. What's nice about this company is that their products are natural and clean. They are founded on the philosophy that the sun does not discriminate. We are all at risk of any damages that can be caused by the sun. Katonia is a fascinating person in terms of her entrepreneurial journey and just generally as a person and you will find out her story later on in the conversation. But uh, what's fascinating for me is the fact that she has founded two companies in two different industries that are completely unrelated to one another and they've both been a success. So she will talk about her entrepreneurial journey. Uh, The other company was in a construction industry, by the way, and now she's working in the beauty industry. But without further ado, let's find out her take on the work that she does as the president and CEO of Ansan Cosmetics. My work, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, I would describe it as all over the place. (laughs) Okay. And why is that? Well, because I'm I'm the founder and the CEO of a Mm -hmm. brand and we're a small brand Mm -hmm. and we're growing rapidly and we have a small team. And when you are a small brand and you have a small team, you do everything. Mm -hmm. You do podcasts you I don't really pack anymore these days but mm-hmm. there's a lot that I do and if I don't do it in some way I'm still dealing with it or overseeing it or checking on it and mm-hmm. so and now the travel season is open typically before covid I was traveling a lot like doing right. engagements visiting stores that sort of thing and so I got a break from that mm-hmm. this do you handle all of that virtually now? Yes, mm. a lot of that virtually. Yes. Mm. So so that's what I mean by all over the place. You wear so many different hats or I wear so many different hats, but it's, you know, it's good. Mm. What does your typical day look like? Well, I have two dogs. One's whining right now at the door, <laughs> but um I have a 70 pound Adobe and 130 pound black Russian terrier. Me. <laughs> so a day for me is first, you know, meditation, dogs, then I'll get coffee or tea and head over to the office. And the first thing I do after I get those early morning things done is start checking emails, going through emails, dealing with what I have to deal with, delegating everything else. And it seems like almost Every other day I have something virtual or a podcast or mm. something and we're onboarding with a lot of different stores and just mm. giving ideas to my social media person. So it it mm. feels like lots of different things that, you know, weekly call with my bookkeepers to make sure we keep track of invoices because mm. Mm. like I said, when you're growing rapidly you can miss things. And so you have to just try as Mm. best you could to stay on top of everything until we're in a position where we could hire, you know, a COO and a CFO and a CMO. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we're not there yet. So I'm all of those things. So, so can you tell me what's the, uh, what, what was the philosophy behind the foundation of your brand? Well, the philosophy is that all skin tones need sun protection. 
Mm-hmm. And yes, there are a million sunscreens out there, but the problem with people for people with deeper skin tones was that they were relegated to using chemical based actives if they didn't want to deal with the white residue of the cleaner products. And mm-hmm. I felt that that wasn't fair. So it wasn't fair for me. I felt very frustrated looking for something on the market. I wasn't going to use the chemical sunscreens. Mm-hmm. So the struggle daily using a mineral, getting in my hairline, getting in my eyebrows, it just wasn't, un- it was just unfair that there wasn't something clean out there for me that was easy to use. Mm-hmm. And that encourages people to use sunscreen and clean protection. Mm-hmm. So we just kind of randomly decided that this was a business to build only because I developed something specifically for myself. Mm. And my family, which is a large family, loved the product. It worked very well mm-hmm. and decided to build this brand around it. Mm. So there's a personal story behind, you know, the foundation uh, of the brand. And then you wanted a clean product. So can you tell me the workaround um, to accommodate those two things, you know, which allowed you to fulfill both your skin needs and also to deal with the um, not leaving the residue behind well of course then at this point now we have to tend the product and and even when i was looking for a tinted product for myself during the search mm. because the products weren't tinted for my skin tone mm-hmm. they left me looking gray or lavender so i needed to make sure that the tint was more universal and definitely provided a comfortable level of protection for my skin tone. People Mm -hmm. could say, oh, I can get up and use this in the morning. It's not a fight for 30 minutes trying to blend it in everywhere. Mm -hmm. So this just required um, some effort making sure, because you know, zinc and titanium are just white. They're just minerals. But companies have to, just like they tend foundations to be different shades. And personally, I think that sunscreen is far more important in our lives than foundations. Mm -hmm. And why we don't have those options in the sunscreen market, which is very frustrating for me. Mm. Why sunscreen? (laughs) So I'm from a large family. I have 10 brothers and sisters. And and my mom had six sisters and one brother. And so just lots of cousins, aunts and uncles. Mm -hmm. And what I discovered is that all of the elders have like these black moles. Mm -hmm. So I just figured, okay, well, as I get older, I'll get these black moles. It's a given, right? Everyone has them. (laughs) In my mid thirties, I discovered that I had these black moles popping up. I went to the bathroom one morning and I said, huh, that's interesting. Where did these come from? So I said, okay, well, they're started way too early. I went to the dermatologist, basically said, I know I'm going to get these. They're genetic, but they're coming too soon. Like I'm still in my thirties. I'm not supposed to get them until I'm 70. What can we do to slow them down? And she said to me, oh, these are not genetic. This is sun damage. And I was shocked because I said, right. black people don't get sun damage, right? <laughs> and I believe that we didn't grow up wearing sunscreen. So, of course, now, armed with this new information, especially the fact that I don't have to end up with all these black moles on my face, I immediately leave her office, go to Walgreens, get the first sunscreen I could find. And that's when I discovered my eyes were instantly irritated. And 
then eventually learned the difference between chemical and mineral. And oh, no, I don't want to do the chemical stuff. I want to do the mineral mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. But, so that's how I got into sunscreen. Yeah. And when did you know? I mean, you you got into it uh, for personal reasons, of course. But uh, when did you know that it could potentially become a business? After, so a friend of mine had a hair care line and I just called him after a frustrating morning of trying to apply this new thick sunscreen I purchased and asked if I could meet with his chemist and if he would just maybe make something for me personally. Mm-hmm. And I did. I spent about three months with this guy kind of off and on. We came up with this really great formulation that I loved, mm-hmm. but now I'm armed with this new information. So now my sisters know about it and my cousins know about it. And we're all very excited that this isn't our fate to have a face full of black spots. Right. Mm-hmm. And so then I just kind of decided one day, hmm, I can build a business around this. And a huge part of that business will be educating women of color that yes, we do need sons protection. Yes, mm. we do get sun damage. And what what were you doing as your day job at the time uh, <laughs> before going into this full time? Yeah, so I owned a construction company in New Orleans for 20 years. Mm-hmm. We started out historical restoration, eventually got into custom home building, was very active after Hurricane Katrina and rebuilding many homes in and around the city. So yeah, I was in construction for 20 years. I have a master's degree in arts administration. I thought I'd be a museum curator or a record executive, but what it goes to show you is that we just don't know where life is going to take us. The main Mm -hmm. thing is that we just always need to be open to whatever opportunities come up. Mm. So this is your second venture into entrepreneurship. And it seems to me that uh, these are two businesses that came about unintentionally or industries rather. Right. So, yeah. And they're so very different. Very, very, (laughs) very different. It was really nice to have a job where I could actually wear a skirt to work. (laughs) (laughs) They couldn't be more different. Yeah. So, I mean, that, of course, leads me to a question about your approach to, I guess, new projects. Uh, How would you say you approach things? Head on. I, I'm obviously, you know, you've been, been in business long enough. You don't become afraid of taking on new challenges mm. and trying things. And I think that's a, an important characteristic that you need to have. So, yeah, I just, my approach is if I see something or if I have an idea, then I go after it. And in this industry, it's as long as it's clean, as long as it's good for you, as long as it's good for the environment, I'm going to go and try to get it done. Mm. And how did you go about learning uh, about the beauty industry? I, I, I had a huge learning curve. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> huge learning curve. So I didn't know anything about the beauty industry. And because sunscreen is an OTC, I especially didn't know anything about it. Mm. All the FDA regulations, all the FDA testing. And I first discovered this when I went I decided I would build a business around this product that was developed for me. And then I went to get products. I mean, Mm. packaging. Mm -hmm. The packaging manufacturer asked me about certain tests. I didn't know anything about it. Oh, okay. I went back to the chemist who made this product for me. I said, hey, we have to get this test and that test. And he said, oh, I can't do that. Well, why not? Well, because I'm not an FDA certified lab. Oh. Oh, yeah. So I had to start that process all over again. Had to find. So, I, yeah. So, a huge learning curve. 
So what that taught me is that I need to find the best consultant that I could find who works specifically in OTC. Right. And that's what I did. Okay. So from the very early days, I, I had someone right alongside me teaching me so that I could avoid those expensive mistakes. Right. So you got a, a consultant. And now as you are in your growth phase, uh, how are you going about learning you know, the potential pitfalls of a rapidly growing company? Well, it's the same. You know, we, I, I have people who take care of the money and the books and I, you know, I have mentors, but when you have a business, I've, I had a business for 20 years and construction can be very volatile and, and it's bidding and it's planning and it's budgeting. And so I think you carry those skills across industries. Mm. So fortunately I had a lot of the, I still have a lot of those, um, mm assets within me. And I just continue to grow and to make sure that there are good people around me Mm. who can handle the things that I just simply don't have the time for the super detailed things like, Mm. you know, budgeting and taxes and payroll Mm. and stuff like that. Mm. So there are two things that stand out to me about your journey so far. Number one is that you entered a very cash intensive space. Did you raise capital independently or is all of it self-financed when you decided, yes, I have a business and this is the direction it's going? Yes, it is self-financed at this time. And originally we didn't want to take money on because just did when you take money on very early in a company, the investors just get such a large chunk. Mm. So just avoided that. Maybe we'll start looking at that um, next year. There's some really significant things happening next year. So we'll probably have to start looking at something like that. But up to this point, and and it's different when you're self-funded and you have a finite amount of dollars that you're working with, mm-hmm. where we are really challenged is in marketing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, where we've really been blessed is in marketing. So we don't mm-hmm. have a marketing budget, but we continue to get tons of free press. And the product is very loved. So we get a lot of unpaid influencer posts. And so right. we've been fortunate in that regard because that could really hurt us not having a marketing budget. Mm-hmm. But fortunately, it's worked out up to this point. And what did you do with the other business? Did you sell it? Yeah, when I moved, I I, I was I walked away from the business. Not walked away from it. I phased it out. I moved back home in tw- to Los Angeles. I was living in New Orleans for twenty years, where the business was, mm. and I decided that I didn't want to do construction anymore. I wasn't sure what I was going to do, and my husband at the time said, "Well, don't worry about it. Just take your time to figure it out." So I moved back home to Los Angeles the summer of 2013 mm-hmm. and by the first or second quarter of 2014, the construction business was phased out. We had finished everything we've been working on and I didn't take on any new projects right. and then just kind of slowly figured it out. I wasn't sure if I was going to maybe be a construction project manager here. I wasn't sure what I was going to do, but mm-hmm. so the timing was perfect. Great. So you've got this, uh, Sunscreen, uh, you're developing products based on uh, sunscreen formulation. And everybody, it seems, is now moving into formulating for darker skins. So how do you stay ahead of the competition? 
don't think about it um, in that way. Mm-hmm. I, I think that as long as we continue to be, you know, we we are amongst the first on the on on the field with this consideration, mm-hmm. and and then obviously since the whole Black Lives Movement, and now it's all about diversity, diversity, diversity. I'm ecstatic to see it, and when people ask me, there's another. Um, Black-owned sunscreen company on the market, and people all, all often say or text me, "How do you feel about this company? How do you feel, or what do you?" And I think before Unsun came on the market, there were probably a thousand sunscreen brands on the market, many doing very well. And so we're just giving people options, and it makes me happy that companies are considering skin tones in the formulation rooms and in the R&D discussions because they certainly weren't before. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to continue to do what we do, be innovative, be clean, be open, be authentic, and and things are going to be what they are. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Shades and Layers. My guest today is Katonia Bro who is the founder and president of Ansan Cosmetics. Up next in our conversation, we talk about how Katonia goes about developing the products that she wants to see on shelves for her customers. She believes she's also changing habits, particularly with women of color. We'll also find out how she's managing complexity, how she stays authentic, and also how Black Lives Matter contributed to the success of her company today. This year we launched highlighters um, with an SPF 15, two shades, Mm -hmm. golden angel and bronze goddess. And I'll go to my lab and I'll say, this is what I want to do. These are some of the ingredients I want to have. And, and we start those conversations and then eventually the samples start rolling in. And I went through a ton before I finally found some that I approved. And it's just, I think it's probably the same across the board. Um, Mm. My products are all custom made and, and, and I just feel like with sun protection, because most people just generally don't use enough that if they layer it on, if we can develop products that can be layered on, then they're more likely to achieve the coverage that's meant for them to achieve for the level of protection that they need. Mm. So do you feel that you're changing, you're helping to change habits already? I do. I do believe that because early on when we started this, we would go to expos, we would participate in these things. And and it was shocking the number of women who would say, oh, I don't need sun protection. I have melanin. Oh, I'm just barely in the sun. I go from my house to the car or I don't. And so I I don't hear that as much anymore. There's definitely a shift. Mm. And we can just see industry numbers. When companies start really focusing on sunscreen, there's a reason, right? Mm. Obviously, there's a great demand for it. So there's definitely a shift in the marketplace. People are responding to that need. Mm. And how many products do you have out there? Currently, we have we have two in our diffusion line, adding a third. And then we have five SKUs in our prestige line, adding two in another later this quarter. So I guess currently we have seven Mm. and we'll have 10 by the end of the year. Wow, busy. (laughs) And uh, I've heard you talk before saying that uh, you need to go through uh, approval each and every time you um, put something on the shelves. Can you speak a little bit about that? 
and how Absolutely. it affects your operations. Yeah, I mean, it, it creates delays, of course, but I always said that I wouldn't sell something that I didn't use. Mm. So um, just like with the highlighters, we went back and forth, back and forth. And until I loved the product, I didn't approve it. Mm. And I don't think, you know, it's not something that the labs are happy with. They don't like to continue to do samples, but you have to be confident when you're out talking about a product. You know, I can't stress enough how much this generation, especially the generation of young people coming up, are mm. looking and recognize authenticity right off the bat. Yeah. So you, if you don't feel a certain way about what you're selling and what you're providing to consumers, mm. people will pick up on that. Mm. So it's important for me to love what I sell. And I do. Mm. Mm. So you go through the process um, each and every I time. Everything. I live yeah. with it. Mm. I use it and I get my friends and relatives to use it and try it. I'll do photo shoots with it to see if it's doing what it's supposed to do, especially in terms of this highlighter. Mm. And mm. Yeah. yeah, so it takes it takes longer because mm. then you have to get my approval and then you have to go through <laughs> all the testing that sunscreen <laughs> requires, unlike, you know, traditional cosmetics, yeah. sunscreen pain in the buttocks, but <laughs> what it is. Yeah. I've heard the expression a lot, you know, uh, being uh, bandied around in entrepreneurial circles, you know, like done is better than perfect. What, what goes through your mind when you hear uh, something like that? You know, in the minerals, <laughs> in the clean mineral sunscreen space, there's no such thing as perfect. Mm. You can always have some, you know, like, Really, like if, if if I have a person that's really dark skinned, you know, they may have to work a little harder to get mm -hmm. it in. I'm mm -hmm. a a nice deep chocolate brown. I'm sure you've seen my pictures, mm -hmm. and I don't have any issues working it in. But there are shades that are much considerably darker than me, mm -hmm. and so until there's a product that literally is a breeze for everybody, it's not perfect. So there's no such thing as perfect, mm. but I think you do the absolute best that you can with the product and then you feel perfectly okay about it. Yeah. That brings me to questions about uh, your clients. How, who are your different uh, segments that you serve? I really do. I really have achieved what we've looked for in that I have all skin tones. I have you know, Indian descent, Asian descent, Latinos, Blacks, mm. of course. And I have, but, you know, at the same time, probably 50% of my market are white women mm. and men. So we, we are doing what we set out to do. I'd like to see more people of color, but um, I do have more than I expected, and I'm happy about that. And, and they're continuing to learn and understand mm. about clean sun protection. Mm. Are you more direct to customer sales or do you sell to um, wholesalers? Yeah, I think, I think we're about 60-40. 60% of our business is wholesale mm -hmm. and 40% is direct to consumer. Yeah. We do a lot of wholesale. Mm, mm. And uh, with uh, COVID having affected everybody's business, how have you weathered the storm? 
we've done very well during COVID. Mm. Um, the first couple of months was, but it wasn't so much because of COVID that we did so well last year. It was because of the Black Lives Matter movement mm. that really put us on radars that we weren't on and made people aware of us who weren't aware of us. And then that's when the product then does the work because we know we have a good product. But like I said earlier, we didn't have marketing dollars. So there were certain demographics that weren't hearing about us. Mm. So all, and, 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 and I just want to say that a lot of companies that are black owned and women owned have really great products, but when the stores aren't buying them, aren't putting them on the shelves, aren't giving them the attention that they need, then no one knows about them. But mm. when they do and the product is good and it does well, it's because the product was always good. And there's so many stories like that, Right. That I'm really glad that the Black Lives Matter brought to people's attention. It's just, you know, because people, I know me, for example, I'm just saying, I'm not asking for anything but to be given a shot. Sure. And so with the 15% pledge, now we're going into these stores and we're doing well. And and I'm grateful for that because mm-hmm. now the product has an opportunity to speak for itself. Yeah. What would you say your biggest challenge has been so far as a business owner, particularly of this company and Sun? I think, I think trying to make the most out of limited funds, mm. um, not bringing on capital. And because obviously if, if you're self-funded, you make choices with where the money goes mm. and you try to spread it out. And I think that the company would be, significantly bigger if we had the dollars that would have provided us with, you know, an executive team or more innovation. But at the same time, it makes me really proud of what we've been able to achieve without that. But I know that moving forward, that's going to change, but that's been the biggest issue. You know, people think that, being an entrepreneur is easy and it is not easy. It's rewarding, but it's not easy. And when you have to, or people like, oh my gosh, you're selling out. You, this is great. That's good. And it's bad. I don't ever want to have to tell a customer or a buyer that we're sold out of anything. And then we, now you can no longer purchase the same batch size. You have to double or triple the batch size or then now double or triple the, the amount of components. And so it just, it's, mm-hmm. it just gets mm-hmm. more and more expensive and it would be nice to just have those dollars rolling in where you didn't have to think about it. And when it's so p- closely tied to your personal mm-hmm. life, like mm-hmm. your savings and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I would say that that's been the greatest challenge. Mm-hmm. And what's your, what are your dreams for Ansan? I just want to continue to grow the brand into a sun protection brand that has really great innovative products, maybe some point getting into color with mineral base or Mm -hmm. just always with SPF sun related products and yeah, and just see how far we can go. Yeah. And is acquisition in the horizon or you want to grow something more organically? Yeah, I think I'd like to grow something. I'd like to bring on an investor and grow something more organically. But 
like I said earlier, when I was talking about my career and my education, you have to always be open because the universe may have something totally different in plan. And so, yeah, so we're open, but Mm. right now the answer to your question is just continuing to grow the brand. Mm. This is Shades and Layers, and as usual, when we get to this part of the conversation, we uh, get to know our guest on a personal level. Up next, you will find out a whole bunch of stuff about Katonia, including her very, very big family and how they motivated her to start this business of hers, Unsung Cosmetics. And uh, you will also find out what she would call her memoir if she had to write one. Let's talk about you. So you've mentioned 10 brothers and sisters. Um, yeah. And uh, you grew up in, uh, in California. Yes. What are your top three memories from uh, the people who were around you uh, as a young girl? My family, fun, crazy, eight brothers. I was a tomboy. It just, <laughs> I remember being taught karate and jumping off the garage leaf roof into piles of leaves. Oh, and dear God. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was a brownie, a Girl Scout, and a cadet, and so I just remember camping trips and and then church. We were heavily involved in church, mm-hmm. which I'm not um, religious by those standards anymore. Very, very spiritual, mm. but those days helped form the foundation of who I am today. The better parts of me, so. I'll always speak to those days and remember those days. But yeah, lots of fun, lots of turbulence mm. and um, family. Turbulence caused by? My mom was very, very strict. And, mm. you know, by today's standards and probably by those standards, a little physically and verbally abusive. Right. <laughs> so it was turbulent in, in that regard. But, mm. you know, mm. it was offset by everything else. And what's the best advice you received that you still continue to refer to today? That there's no one better than us. And my mom, she she had a knack for tearing you down and building you up all within two seconds. Goodness. And so, <laughs> but she would always tell us that there was no one better than us. You, no one's better than you. And And, you know, if we had issues anywhere or at school or whatever, those are the things all of us, and we all remember her saying things like that. So that's probably the thing that I will always remember and appreciate because we're all the same. We're Mm -hmm. all a part of this universal thread. And I understand that differently now than I did then, but still it's something good to know to help you because it's hard in this world. And especially as a black woman, Mm -hmm easy to feel less than mm. so when you have those words as as a young child mm. uh, it helps mm. how else do you get around feelings of self-doubt nowadays you know i meditate daily i'm on a hugely spiritual journey right now and and i i, I keep those things in perspective that this life is just now And um, without going into all of that, but yeah, this is, this is just this moment and this time. And it, it, and it just helps us to, to quiet those thoughts that come about because we are magnificent creatures. Mm -hmm. And so you just quiet, I'll just say, nope, nope. Thoughts start coming to my mind. Nope, nope. I'll shift Mm -hmm. it and move somewhere else because 
I still operate in the human mind with the human body. So you just have to say, nope, or sometimes I'll clap my hands. I'll say, nope, Mm. and move on to something um, better and more kind to myself. Mm. I've read somewhere that you are a vegan. When did you become a vegan? I've been vegan now for about five years, I think. But prior to being vegan, I've been pescatarian for, I would say I haven't eaten red meat or pork in probably 30 years. Mm-hmm. And and maybe here and there throughout the years, was doing some turkey and chicken. But I was pescatarian for many, many years before I became vegan. And what prompted your lifestyle choice? A visit to Malibu Seafood. I was in line mm-hmm. and to get some seafood. And I saw the lobsters in the tank and something in me just, I just couldn't do it anymore. Right. I envisioned their fate and that was it for me. It was very simple. Mm. So that's the dietary part. Do you have any vices? Vices? Mm-hmm. Um, vices? I, not really these days. Like I would say coffee, but I don't even really drink coffee much anymore. Mm. Um, not really. Not in, not in a traditional term, especially these days. Mm. I don't think so. Gosh, that makes me sound so boring. It's fantastic. You've cleaned up. I think it's a very exciting life. <laughs> well, no one's asked me that, but interesting. No, I don't think that I do. Great. That could change. Lucky you. <laughs> but today, I don't think that I do. What about you? What are your vices? Oh, God, I can't live without coffee. <laughs> it's a terrible habit. It really is. Yeah. But, you know, I'll work on that. <laughs> Exactly, all in your time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so we're heading into vacation season. Uh, what's your best vacation ever? Lake Como, Italy. Ah, yay! Then, <laughs> yes, my husband's from Northern Italy, so we it often go there. Yeah, magical. Mm. And so, yeah, it was. Uh, Truly. Yeah, I would definitely. That's it. I'm heading off to Japan August 25th for the first time and going to spend some time in Tokyo, Kyoto and Osaka. So I don't know if it'll top it, but, you know, I'm always trying. We'll see. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, I enjoyed that one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Mm. I mean, it's, of course, very difficult to talk, to avoid talking about uh, your famous son, of course. Has it been a good thing or a disadvantage to have such a high-profile uh, child when you're trying to grow a business? I'll tell you, when I first launched the business and we were getting all of this press and everything was Frank Ocean's mom makes sunscreen for Black people. Frank Ocean's mom says, and I used to say to him, gosh... I just wish they would talk about the product and not you. And then, but you know, but I'm grateful. I'm grateful it's getting out there. And so now it's very rare that Mm. someone will mention him. And it's so beautiful to see that transition. Mm. And so because my child is, he is a celebrity, but he's not a celebrity that craves attention. Our lives are surprisingly normal as a result of that because Mm. he just, He's very private and, mm-hmm. and it definitely makes a difference. So it doesn't like you could kind of forget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You could kind of forget. Yeah. 
Fantastic. And one last thing. Um, if you had to write a memoir, what would it be called and why? Why My Sons Will Never Be President. And I thought about that. It's interesting you asked that because I thought about that over the years. And I thought, I've always thought about it in the context of how a president is not, is rarely judged based on their behavior, their accomplishments, their story. They're always judged based on their families as well. And because our family was so complicated, I've always felt like, oh, well, that would prevent them from moving forward because they would judge them on the mistakes of the, the past. And so that's the only book that I've ever thought about. And mm. so it's the first one that came to mind. Mm. These days, I'll have to think about it again because I think that it would be completely different. Yeah. So you think uh, you think that about presidents, even in the post-Obama and... Post. Obama, you know, and Trump, especially. Exactly. Right? But yeah, well, yeah. And that's why I said today it would be different. I just, I thought about that topic many years ago. Um, but even with Obama, mm. you know, his parents weren't, his dad was, you know, a foreigner, but he was so, I don't know, they weren't, you know, I have people in my family who've been to prison. I just think it's a little different mm. when if, I think if Obama's dad had been to prison, it might've been a different story mm. or that sort of thing. So mm. our, mm. our family, our large, beautiful family is very eclectic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Yeah. So, but yeah, you're right. She's <laughs> lately <laughs> president, especially he's opened the door for tons of people, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, thank you so much for your time. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. How can people get hold of you and where can they buy your products? Well, we are, of course, our website, unsungcosmetics.com. We, um, we're in Nordstrom. Our diffusion line is in Nordstrom Rack. You can buy us, Credo, all the clean beauty spaces, Credo Beauty, Detox Market, Folane. Just get on your computer and look for us, but hopefully your first stop will be Unsung Cosmetics. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for this, and uh, I wish you all the best and a fantastic vacation in Japan. <laughs> Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day. Thanks, you too. Thank you so much for listening this time around. And I really appreciate all the support that you've been giving me so far during the one year long project that is called Shades and Layers. Uh, thank you for suggesting guests. Thank you for your introductions to some future guests. And also thank you so much for sending me notes now and again to give me feedback on the podcast. I really, truly appreciate that. You can send me an email on hello at shadesandlayers.com. Thank you so much again for your support. And until next time, please do take good care.